You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Wednesday, and in these episodes, Sangram and myself, James Carberry, focus on personal development. We'll share books and other resources that are helping us get a little bit better every single day. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Hey, everyone. Corey Geyer here with Sixth Sense. And today we're going to be uh, talking about cracking the measurement code. I am joined uh, by Raleigh Garcia. Uh, Raleigh, uh, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself for me, please. Hey, Corey. Hey, everybody. My name is Raleigh Garcia. I'm Vice President of Strategic Marketing for Sage Intact. I currently give leadership to the web digital marketing and marketing operations for Sage Intact and really have been evangelizing the use throughout the entire organization for Sixth Sense. So I'm really excited to be here with you, Corey. I think Sixth Sense delivers a lot of value. Great. That's, that's great, Raleigh. Appreciate that. And uh, I am the Director of Revenue Operations at Sixth Sense. What that means is that uh, I run uh, operations and support for marketing, for sales, and for customer success. Uh, Sixth Sense is an account-based orchestration platform. You're going to learn a little bit more about it in this session. And let's, uh, let's jump in. So today we're going to talk about this concept of an account-based pipeline model. And, um, and we'll talk about how that kind of um, contrasts with the traditional marketing funnel. Uh, we're going to have uh, Raleigh talk about exactly how they've been able to think about an account-based model at Sage. And then uh, finally, I'll come back and talk about trying to put this uh, model into action. So why is this important? Well, uh, many of us are very much uh, familiar with the lead-based approach. That's the um, marketing qualified lead, the sales qualified lead, and kind of working that um, person-by-person lead flow. And many accounts are on this path of going to an account-based model where they identify a set of key accounts and want to run very targeted and specific uh, campaigns against that. And that's great. Uh, What we're suggesting for the companies that are getting a lot of uh, good results is going to what we call an orchestrated account engagement uh, approach. And this is really where you're taking the guesswork out of all this. You're letting data and AI and automation um, uh, replace kind of human bias when it comes to picking the right accounts and making sure they're ready to talk to you and making sure those accounts get assigned and also that we're working those accounts. So let's talk a little bit more about what we mean by the uh, pipeline model. And so this model is going to align marketing and sales on what accounts to target. I know that's kind of uh, a buzz term right now around aligning marketing sales. We're talking about they have the exact same uh, set of accounts. Marketing doesn't have one set. Sales doesn't have a different set. And very specifically, they have to work on what we call qualified accounts. And I'll, I'll talk more about that here in a minute but they need to know exactly the number of qualified accounts needed to hit the revenue target. And very specifically, um, who's responsible between marketing and sales at each stage of that account's buying journey. And so if you look at the visual here, um, you know, pre-funnel, what's up there in the teal color, that's where you're gonna have these qualified accounts. And there, uh, once you actually get into an opportunity, we're now thinking about it from a, you know, a BDR, SDR qualification standpoint, having those early conversations. And then finally, they book kind of a qualified meeting, getting the direct rep involved. That rep then is, is maybe having many meetings, but eventually gets qualified. 
And then we're talking about, you know, converting it to one. And if, you know, if you've been around for a while, you're going to say, well, Corey, this looks very similar to kind of a the traditional marketing funnel. And so let's talk a minute about that. And remember, the traditional marketing funnel is all about a person, right? Individual person showing interest. And so, yes, we can score that person. We may be at the right persona, but it's all about the person. You contrast that with what we're talking about here, and it's the collective intent across all people at that account. And it's making sure there's the right amount of account based upon who that account is. So if you think about it, there's different, you know, if you, how you go to market, you probably have different size accounts, different industries. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different ways that, um, you know, one account showing a certain level of intent is going to look completely different than another account. So if you have a, an intern, a student intern that's doing a bunch of research on your company, um, that looks a lot different than someone that you have multiple VPs. They're doing third-party research, first-party research. And collectively, um, we know that that account is in market and wanting to actually talk with companies that uh, offer the solutions that we, we go to market with. So what are the um, components or the inputs to this model? And so, um, first of all, you have to think about the number of qualified accounts that you have and how well you know, those are going to convert to the various stages. So you see all the different like stage to stage conversions. And then also importantly, you have to think about the cycle time or the velocity, as well as the average selling price. And so when you go through all those and you think about how much uh, historically you source from various channels and moving forward, what you expect to source from those channels, like inbound, outbound, and events, you're going to produce your targets. And this is, again, very similar to like an MQL model. Different, though, because it's very account-based, right? These numbers are all tied to accounts when you look at like S, you know, S0s, S1s, S2s, the number of accounts. So then it comes down to how do we take all the guesswork out of this? Because if you're leaving um, you know, human bias into the mix, it's going to uh, produce lots of false positives and cause us to kind of work a lot of accounts that are not really in market ready to talk to us. So you want to be thinking about kind of an always on um, score daily, dynamically adjusting, dynamically assigning uh, type of approach. And so five different components when I kind of dive into here. Um, first is account fit. I'm going to talk more about this one in a minute, but this is kind of your firmographics, technographics. Think of like TAM. Think of like your serviceable, addressable market. Um, these are accounts that we know are a good profile fit, but yet they're not showing necessarily engagement or intent. Maybe they are, maybe they're not, but we know generally speaking, they're a good profile fit to go after. They're in the right geos we focus on. We have enough sales capacity and coverage to call on these accounts. And so then that leads us to intent. That's the teal color there. This is uh, looking at identifying the, um, the engagement, the behavior of the collective people at that account. And it's not just about like a, a flipping a switch on or off, you know, this account is showing intent or it's not. It's really about identifying what buying stage they're in. Because by knowing the buying stage, you really know how to target that account. And once you get within the account, obviously people are very important. And so uh, having kind of contact uh, or lead fit, this is like things like function and seniority, kind of the persona fit. And then last, how well are you actually engaging with the right people with those, the right personas in that account? Then the last and kind of fifth piece of this is the dynamic routing. And so this kind of sets the foundation for 
um, making sure that we can auto assign those in-market accounts um, to the right team, to the right reps, and that we start tracking the follow-up just like we would the kind of the classic inbound MQL. So let's dive into each one of these quickly. Uh, ideal customer profile, remember, think of technographics, firmographics, geos, where we have sales coverage, where we know this account's a good fit, the size of the account. And so this is where it's really important to have both marketing and sales, the same set of accounts. So you think about um, what's your complete um, pool of accounts you wanna go after. Obviously, you're, you wanna get those into your CRM tools so that way they're ready to be worked. And then the last part is that intent. So think of ICP accounts showing intent, um, you know, whether if it's early awareness, third-party research, they might be researching one of your competitors anonymously, you know, they're visiting your site, they're engaged in marketing campaigns, but they're starting to show intent. So if we think about that then, once they're showing intent, it then comes down to um, kind of removing what we like to think of as the dark funnel out of all this. So you know exactly where that account is at in its buying stage. And then marketing can, and sales can exactly agree on the who, the what, and the when. So we have our buying stages up here, uh, target all the way through purchase. Um, target um, is the account's not showing intent. Think of awareness and consideration is kind of early. And this is where marketing has the SLA. Marketing's on the hook. Um, they can run very targeted ads based upon the buying stage. So like different ads in early awareness versus uh, consideration may, might actually have a call to action. Think of display ads, think of direct mail, think of uh, email nurture, inviting people to events. But at some point, the account will show enough intent that we want to make sure the sales team is on the hook. They have the SLA to really go out there and engage in that account. And here we, you know, we call this the six cents qualified account or the six QA. And this is kind of last two buying stages. And this is where um, we want to make sure is the, uh, the accounts assigned, the rep gets notified. Uh, they start working the account and think of cadences. They want to do the research to the intelligence and really start reaching out to that account. Last part then is the dynamic territories. And uh, this is, this is where we have a sales ops team puts together the initial list late in the year. Um, through many manager and rep iterations, they kind of negotiate accounts. Finally, a couple months later, we get it, we get the CRM updated and, and, you know, it's two months after the year starts and we kind of lock in those accounts and we kind of forget about it. Yes, there's a few adjustments along the way, but for the most part, they're locked in. And this is where the classic scenario where reps are spending lots of time on accounts that aren't necessarily in market and they're, you know, missing out on good opportunities. Compare that with dynamic territories where, um, you can still have like your tier one strategic accounts. You want to keep long-term. That's great. You have the, the account plans for those. Um, here we said one-third of those accounts, whether you know, it makes sense to do one-third or quarter or half, it's kind of up to your, your specific business strategy. But a portion of those accounts, we call them your tier two, um, are really dynamic in nature. And uh, that's where you want to think about moving those accounts in and out. And so think of where you have an account showing intent or there's an open opportunity. You're going to obviously want to keep those versus accounts where there's no intent. A rep would gladly give that account up and replace it with one that's a great profile fit. It's also ready to talk to you kind of in market. So uh, Raleigh would love to kind of uh, uh, learn a little bit more about Sage Intact and talk about how you guys are doing some of these things. Absolutely. Hey, guys. 
Corey, that was a huge, huge amount of information to go through really quickly. Uh, this is a super robust software, and I'm really proud that Sage Intact is a partner to Sixth Sense. And we've really pushed the boundaries with Sixth Sense on how to utilize it. We have a great customer success manager named Rachel Doble who supports us on a regular basis to drive this throughout the organization. So, Corey, let's look at some of those use cases. All right, so here we are. These are the Sixth Sense use cases that we're working on, plus some other ones that so marketing, customer success, SDRs, our sales team, and even our partners. So in marketing, if you think about what he showed you and what kind of intelligence that you can get, we can really see how different accounts are experiencing six, no, sorry, not six cents, how different accounts are experiencing Sage Intact, both in the dark web and in light web. One of the things that Six Sense gives us the ability to do is to create very, very specific segments for our potential accounts. And then we can build very customized, personalized messaging to the right person in the persona map to get to the right message of the right person at the right place in the funnel. Customer success, we use it to figure out what kind of things our customers are searching for online. And also we use it to try to predict maybe if they're churning by seeing if they're looking for one of our competitors. Our SDRs, we, they use it all the time, every day. And we have dashboards set up to help them figure out who they should be targeting first. So if there's one of our accounts that we're, that we're targeting that it looks like it's going to be an opportunity in the next 90 days, according to buyer intent at Sixth Sense, we want them to talk to those people first. And we also want to expend resources at those before we expend resources higher up in the funnel. For our AEs, I mean, once they go into a sales cycle, being able to look into an account, the whole account, not just to the person they were talking to, but to look at the persona map and see who at this company is engaged in the sales cycle. Who have I spoken to? You always hear people talk about getting multi-threaded in a sales deal. This is the perfect way to do that. Who else is in the persona map? Who are we talking to and who should we be outreaching to? And we can even vary that according to where they're in the funnel. So if the CFO is the top of the funnel, we want to send them something very, very much in the awareness stage, but we can still send something just like a de demo to the person at the bottom of the funnel to make sure they're getting the right information. And then our partners, we use this with our partners to help them identify who they should be talking to. Now, if you take this stacked boxes and put it in a circle, you really get what we like to talk about is revenue operations. And that's something that Lean Data has really been talking about because they feel, and we all feel, like operations should have a seat at the table. And that circle, that revenue flywheel, can be represented using six cents this way. Let's go to the next one. So when you're talking about the funnel, actually, he showed you the normal funnel. Here's the way we use the funnel at Sage Intech. So we take those very specific segments. And we figure out who we want to target. And when they, we can do two things. We can get them when they're coming into the website and identify which vertical they're in and who the persona is and give them a very specific message. And we can do that via drift or just via landing page. We're also at the same time looking to see who the contacts we are. We can use Sixth Sense to buy additional contacts. So who are we targeting? Well, we know according to the AI data who's in our persona map and who the most important personas are in our persona map. And Sixth Sense can help us find those names. At the account level, this is where the, ma the magic happens. 
we want to know what accounts we should be prioritizing first to see who's actually in market and how far they are in market. I want to know, is this an account that looks like it's going to, the other accounts that have become an opportunity lately? And is the person that I'm talking to actually engaged with me? So Sixth Sense gives us the ability to look at the different people in the persona map and, and really track almost like an MQL, but not really how engaged they are with us in our marketing and our collateral of their website. So that's a really strong piece of information to have when our SDRs and our AEs are talking to them. For our customers, we are looking at our customers to see what kind of things they're doing online and where they're hitting our website. So for upsell, cross-sell, if I want to target customers that have landed on my budgeting and planning webpage and send those over to our customer success managers to have those conversations, we can do that. And finally, in the opportunity space, it's about knowing who's in the persona map, who's in the buying party, and figuring out if they're engaged with us or not at any given time. So you can see that this is something that we, that we are using across the entire organization, and it really is giving us a 360-degree view on our customers and on our prospects at the same time. Now, when we start to work with our SDRs, we start to slot those accounts in. Um, if you have different types of SDRs, maybe you have inbound or outbound, they have different ways that they can use this as well. So our outbound reps use this for a new client acquisition on an outbound. So they'll explore the, the who's in our database, and then they'll use this to try to track down if they're actually in market or not. So it's super powerful. The other thing we use this for is to talk to our, our executive management about what our, what our lead database is currently looking like. So we went recently through project. We identified that we didn't have enough accounts in the funnel to execute the project properly. So we used Sixth Sense to figure out who we had in that particular bucket of accounts and figure out who else in the persona map that we wanted to buy so we can make sure that we're targeting everybody in that account. Now, what we're talking about is a ton of data, and this is a lot of information, but I can tell you that figuring out how to see it is, is, can be difficult at times. But I also know, because I'm on the customer advisory board, the Sixth Sense has got something up their sleeve they're going to use to help us do a better job at this. Corey, tell us about it. So um, as Roy mentioned, uh, we want to kind of talk about how to put this in action, talk about some things that we've been working on. So. Uh, remember, we talked about the foundation is making sure those accounts are in the right hands and this concept of dynamic uh, territories. Yes, you can keep some of them. Um, some of the accounts can kind of stay long term, your tier ones, your uh, strategic accounts. But then, you know, you want to make sure you are dynamically moving accounts in and out. And so what this uh, process is showing is that on the left hand side here, you have accounts that um, are within the ICP, ideal customer profile that we talked about. And when they actually are showing strong intent, they're in the right buying stages. This is color coded here to say like Salesforce is going to pick those up and it's going to say it's time to go off and do something with those. And so in, in our stack here, we talk about lean data, being able to go in and uh, assign those out. So it's looking to make sure it's assigned to an active rep if it's not. You know, what we've done internally at Sixth Sense with our own um, go-to-market is a combination of like subregions all the way down sometimes at the zip code level and also employee count to make sure it's routed to the right people. Um, we assign both an AE and a BDR to that account. We make sure that 
The BDR is on the hook. We talked about service level agreements and making sure those accounts are getting worked and followed up on. Uh, that is on the BDR. I'll show a little bit more of that here in a minute. Um, but we also want to make sure that the proper AE is assigned because A, we want to make sure it's in the right like geolocation. So um, you know, when, when a meeting gets booked, it's going to the right AE. Uh, but also it helps with some automation. If you think about counter drops and cadence automation type stuff, we get everything properly assigned. Uh, sourcing the contacts and making sure they have valid emails and phone numbers. That's a very important step, as everyone knows. Um, so there's some ways that uh, we can help out with that as well. And then um, you think about whether if it's outreach or Caden, uh, or sales offer, really kind of any outreach uh, type solution or Caden solution, we automatically will drop those kind of validated uh, contacts into sales loft. And that way it's ready for the BDR to just um, do a little bit more research, put them in the cadence and start going. And then along the way, when there's um, you know, balanced email addresses or a call gets uh, disposition as a bad phone number, having that data kind of flow back to that same people that are sourcing the contacts and making sure they get cleaned up information. So again, kind of the whole process keeps going and uh, calling those same people. So uh, how all this kind of comes together, again, with lean data um, that we use internally, great, great kind of platform for doing all this, all kinds of advanced routing. We're also not just updating account owner, but we're also updating the uh, BDR on that account. We're also updating contact owners because that's what like a sales law for outreach needs to make sure the right owners of those accounts are on those people. So that way they can do the, um, you know, automate kind of the outreach. And so what you're seeing here is on the screen, on the left-hand screen here is the, that qualified account data. So uh, here in this example, there's a brand new qualified account. You'll see that qualified on December 19th. If we look to the right, uh, what Lean Data said is because this account was assigned to CRM admin or like a house account, and because it's a qualified account, you'll see over here it's within our ICP. Because all those things are true, make sure it gets routed and assigned. And so it's assigning it to Nick Ryan. Nick Ryan uh, for us is down in Atlanta. So that you'll see this account is in the Southeast. That's why it got routed and assigned to him. His BDR is quasi. So that way everyone got assigned and they're ready to go. At that point, um, they're getting email notified. They're getting Slack. They have no reason to not know about it. Um, there's also a dashboard that they can go in and routinely check. And so on this dashboard, um, you'll see accounts that are kind of in that purchase stage, in that decision stage. Remember those last two uh, stages. And then I like to kind of focus on this uh, bottom right here where it kind of combines all that in one, gives one simple view. So imagine here I've applied filters to just um, an individual person. So I'm Jack the BDR. Um, here's my list of accounts. Now that I, I've been, you know, I see the account or I've been Slack notified either case, I want to uh, start to research and take action on that account. So by doing that, click on the account. And now I'm going to look into uh, Marquetta here. And uh, the first thing I want to do is kind of look at all that intent, right? So think about it. As a BDR, you want to start doing research on what's our prior history of that account. What is that account actively doing right now? What research are they doing? And so we have what we call branded keywords or think of like products, competitors, you know, what, what specific branded uh, keywords are they researching? So, and then kind of generic or what I like to think of as like solution specific keywords. This all helps me formulate like a, an opinion on how I want to go after this account as a BDR. I can also see all the engagement over time. And so like think of 
um, how they've engaged on our website, what they've visited, how, what they've actually looked across like three or four million B2B websites. You know, they research our competitors. Are they researching other uh, important topics? So, Corey, this is a place where we use this pretty extensively. And I'll just jump in that having our our teams be able to see what they are searching for for branded keywords and generic keywords is incredibly powerful. Because really, I like to feel like if you understand that that's what they've been doing as an account on the internet, then this goes from being a cold call to a warm call because you can start to have conversations about what they're actually looking for. The other thing I really love about this and get a ton of value out of is you look at the engagement and reach timeline there, we really try to target those phone calls where you see those inflection points on that time frame because we know at that point that there's something going on. This is a, a huge value add from a visual perspective. Yeah. And um, I think you'll be happy then, uh, probably like the whole concept of this 6QA and this dashboard is that inflection point right there, right? Um, it's saying right there where there's a spike, hey, better get a hold of them. So that's, that's why we uh, took a lot of feedback from you and others and said, let's try to really automate this. So then, um, you know, just another view of the same data, I kind of break it down to the day level, uh, see very specifically who's researching what at the day level. But then uh, what's another thing that a BDR would typically want to do? And that is research the opportunity history, see, you know, who we talked to in the past. So we're kind of rolling all that up in one place. That way they can kind of do this research all in one place. Very next thing they're going to want to do is then start to think about what's their attack plan. You know, who are the people they're going to want to go after? And Raleigh, you really hit on this earlier, right? Like really knowing, um, you know, have six cents kind of predict who are the right personas, the right people to go after. And so we, you know, wanted to really roll this up in one place. All the people that we've identified that you know, meet within our kind of privacy and compliance rules that we have them cookied, we will roll them up all here. You'll see at the bottom whether they're in our marketing automation system or CRM, doesn't really matter. We're going to roll them up. And then we'll kind of call out what's the engagement um, status with those given people. Uh, and then um, this, this is where then we can start to look at this next tab here. It's on the uh, very next, you know, the insights tab up here. This is now saying all the research, again, think of like third-party anonymous research, not even done on your own website across all kinds, you know, millions of other websites. Think, you know, direct engagement with your marketing team, whether it's webinars or visit your webpage, whatever it is. Um, this is saying where the activity is coming from. So like Garden Grove and Oakland, California. And so then I want to think, okay, how do I actually go after all the people that are doing that research? I want to get a hold of those people. And so. But wait, oh, don't go forward. Yeah, you just skipped over something huge. All right, so see where it says top pages visited by account right there? That's really important. So when you talk about customer success and really trying to cross-sell and upsell, what, what we're doing here is we're looking to see our customers and if they're hitting on with landing pages for additional products. I mean, just think about this. How would you like to be a CSM and you got a list of, of your accounts that don't own one of your products but has been all over it? How easy does that make it to call them up and start having a conversation about what you know they've been exploring. So that's a really powerful piece of this software as well. Yeah, definitely. Great point. So, um, so then uh, the last thing here is the actions. And 
we're trying to bubble up what are recommended actions. We call next best actions. And you see here, Lisa, we already have in our system, you know, suggesting you get a hold of uh, them, add them to sales loft, or maybe you have outreach to their case, doesn't matter. Also like new contacts. And so remember, we can't expose who they are if we don't have them cookie, we don't have them identified. But we, well, what we'll say is it's someone with this title in this location. Um, you could then uh, get in and purchase them directly. So you have like a pre-set arrangement, go in there and, and get, you know, acquire their information, get them out of the sales force. Um, or if you have like LinkedIn Sales Navigator, um, one option would be to select that you actually visit SalesNav where everyone meeting that title and that location will pull up and help you out. So kind of wrapping all this up then, um, this is, uh, you know, coming back and really measuring it. Remember we talked about uh, these kind of key inputs on the left-hand side. Um, when you have all this uh, in these, these various systems we're talking about, you know, Salesforce kind of being the glue tying it all together, you then can use kind of standard reporting to measure the stages and the conversion rates between those and kind of all these inputs and making sure we're hitting our targets and uh, making this account pipeline model uh, perform effectively. So, you know, I want to wrap this up here and just say that, uh, you know, if you're really looking at going to this type of model, uh, we want to put a calculator together. Uh, you can visit sixcents.com slash six BA. This will allow you to really analyze the traditional model versus this account-based pipeline model we're talking about here. And it really will outline exactly the value where you are going to produce a lot less leads and have a lot higher conversion rates uh, with this type of model. So I really encourage you to check it out. Raleigh? Appreciate you joining and sharing lots of your insight. And thanks, um, yeah, thanks, thanks everyone. For everything. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.